Hi, this is Steve Morse, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Ingvar J. Malmsteen, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. episodes 474 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 474, we welcome back to the show after many, many years, Ingve J. Malmsteen. Ingve will be in Pittsburgh to do a show on the 24th of November at the Carnegie Library Music Hall of Homestead. He's currently on the road touring to promote his album that was released earlier in the year called Parabellum, uh, which is, I would say, a, more of a uh, return to form for Yngwie. Um, as many of you know, he did a blues album uh, a couple of years back um, that uh, consists of a lot of cover songs, quite honestly. It had uh, some Deep Purple, some Eric Clapton uh, things, but still certainly had an Yngwie uh, feel to it. Um, there's no denying when you hear his playing uh, that it's Ingve. Um, he's also, as many of you may or may not know, he's been doing uh, lead vocals for the band now for about 10 years. Um, so this album uh, is truly a solo album, uh, but it's a fantastic record. Uh, Parabellum is available now. We're going to play you a little bit of the track Relentless Fury. We'll get into that interview with Ingve J. Malmsteen. Awesome to have a chance to talk to you. It's even greater to see you out on the road. Um, did did you, when all this kind of stuff came down, you know, 18 months ago or so, um, was this something that you would ever really fathom the idea of what it would like to not be able to get up on stage? I mean, you, you've always been very productive in the recording end of the business, but was this something that... that 
you know, was kind of devastating for you, or did you almost kind of relish the time to have time to go and create? Well, I mean, it's it's a, okay. The whole thing is very surreal because uh, in about estimated a hundred thousand years of human uh, culture, you know, civilization, this has never happened before. Mm-hmm. There's been there's been many, 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 many pandemics. I mean, countless. You know. Sure. The European plague and you know the 1918 whatever, but there never ever has been a situation where every event, every like at one point even restaurants were closed and stuff like this. Sure, that never happened before. This is the first time in human history, as long as the humans have existed. So obviously not only for me but for everybody, this was very surreal, you know. Um, I, I personally have always been the kind of person that kind of like. Uh, if you get lemons, you make lemonade, you know? Right. So I was actually 2020, 2020 in March 2020, I was on tour. I was in, uh, I was on the world tour. I was all over the place. Mm-hmm. And at the time, exactly, I was in uh, late February, early March, 2nd of March, actually, I think it was, we played in Mexico City. And the agents called and they said, um, well, you know, we got to push back the, the gigs for, you know, I don't know, two, three weeks or so. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we know what happened with that. He planned the curve. Uh, okay, but uh, whatever. So, you know, I got, I went home, and you know, I very much enjoy, you know, doing certain things and you know, home too. So it was fine. I was kind of just waiting for the word. And I went up to the studio, started recording some songs, and writing some songs, which I always do anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, this thing just dragged on and dragged on. I said, okay, I'm just kind of record and write songs, you know. So basically, I spent a year in the studio. Um, having said that, you know, I've learned from, from many years of doing this that too much time is also not good because Absolutely. you start second-guessing things and, you know, it's not good. So basically, I, I, I only would go up in the studio when I'm very inspired, you know. Right. And I would do first takes and stuff like this. When a theme or a riff or a melody came to me, I would capture it you know that's mm-hmm. that's what i did and then of course i got the, the you know the schedule with the engineer so that it became a little more scheduled after a while and the, before i knew it, i had like 80 90 almost 100 things you know and i started weeding them out and then listening to the car a lot you know just cruise around the top down just listen to the stuff sure and um and kind of like live with it and take whatever felt the best from what was very spontaneous to begin with. So that's what I did, you know. Um, obviously, I wanted to go out on the road. In fact, I story before, normally. <laughs> and it was all about that or a little bit, no? It's not that little. It was quite a lot, you know. And uh, But as I said, I, I me personally, uh, I feel, you know, bad for everybody that had, uh, you know, had, you know, had bad things happen and so on. But for me, it was kind of like, I don't know, it was a long vacation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't say that's a bad, bad description. Um, yeah. No, yeah. I, it, no, it makes but a little... time to go out now. Yeah, I know, I know from talking to some singers that, you know, you know, we're, we're part of some very large bands, you know, arena-sized touring bands still, that the time away almost 
came as a blessing. You know, it was time to spend time with family to, you know, to kind of recharge the battery. So, it, you know, I think your, your phrase of making lemonades out of, of, of lemons is, is an important one. You know, you have the time to kind of go and, you know, make a fantastic record, you know, to, to spend the time with your craft, not have to rush. Um, no matter what happens, if something goes wrong or I don't know, we'll better work around it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, improvised and overcome, you know. So, so I, I, that's that was just the way I've always been. But this obviously was, um, you know, it was a bad thing for everybody. Sure. So yeah. It, that is almost over. Are, are you the type of person in the studio that, that tends to have to force themselves not to kind of overanalyze their playing? I mean, you such an amazing technique in your playing, but well, are, like I said early on, like I said, like I said earlier on, you know, I've learned through so many years of doing this. Mm-hmm. It's frightening when I think about how long I've been doing this. Um, that I've learned that the only way to get the best performance, the best take, and best themes and melodies and stuff like that is to allow the inspiration to bring it to you. Mm-hmm. you know? Uh, back in the day when you had you rented a studio, you know, you went in a studio and you had, the clock was running and you say, hey, you gotta cut a solo now. Alright, and all my solos are improvised, so, so they're not made up. So I, I improvise solos on the spot, so it's all about vibe and feeling and, and, uh, all about inspiration, you know. And, uh, now I have the luxury of just doing it when I feel inspired, you know. So, I've, I've learned from the experience that, uh, you know, you gotta allow it to happen for you. Yeah. And that's what it is. You know, you see a lot of musicians in, you know, pre pandemic who would kind of chart out literally years worth of their touring cycle. I can think of countless musicians who would say, you know, next October I'm going to go into the studio for six weeks and make a new album and then I'm going to be on the road with so and so. Are you a person that, that, you know, in the 80s, you probably had to do that because you had to book studios and pre-production time and all that stuff that was so expensive. But is it a, a little more liberating to you to be able to kind of work purely on inspiration or, or pre-tandemic? Did you still have to kind of carve out time from your touring schedule to write? No. I, I Since I'm in charge of everything, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, 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 I'm like, I am the undisputed dictator of my country. Uh, seriously, I mean, I, I have nobody telling me what to do, so whatever, that's, you know, I've got sang. I even wrote a song about that. Um, it's called Eternal Bliss. I, I'm the most blessed man I ever lived. I, I'm the most grateful man I ever lived. That's the way I feel. That's I'm wonderful. very thankful for everything that's gone right for me, and something's gone wrong too, but, you know. So basically, the way, the way I've, I've made things work for me, and this is long before even this happened, is that, you know, I have, I don't know, it was about 25 years ago, I used to, you know, the standard thing was you got X amount of money, you know, quite a lot of money for mm-hmm. a label, and they they hey, go in the studio and record, you know. And you would spend that on, uh, you know, all sorts of things, studio time and pre-production halls and all this stuff. So one day in 995, I just said, I took that as that. I said, no, fuck it, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, build a recording studio that is as good or better than anything. And I, I'm not talking about some little room with a computer and a mouse. I'm talking about a studio mm-hmm. with the consoles and the, 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 the big live rooms, the whole nine yards. And I did. You know, back then it was tape, tape recorders. But uh, uh, 
you know, from that day on, I couldn't even imagine going into another studio. The guy that runs Cartier, which is like the greatest studio ever, right next door here, he always says to me, hey, man, you can come in anytime you want. I say, hey, thanks, bro. It's okay, you know. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. It, it, so, we... so, so basically what happens is that when, I, when I'm inspired, I can see it on TV, whatever, I just run up there and I record it, and it's, all I have to do is switch, switch the amp on. I have everything set up, mic'd up, everything done. It's, 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 it's like perfect recording chain. It's not a demo. If I record something, if I write something, I can record it, and that's going to be on the album right there and then. You know, there's no, oh, I'll do it again. I'm, I'll, I'll make a little demo, and then I rehearse it. And then, no, because by then, it's like dead food, you know? Yeah, it is. So, so I've already come to the point in my, 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 my you know, situation where that, that's, I've already had that love shit. Yeah. I can't just, I just do whatever I want, whatever I want, whenever I want. And obviously, when there's a tour booked, you know, you, you, you have to, I can't say, hey, I don't want to do that. You know, so obviously I do that. But yeah. uh, uh, there's, last few years I've been, you know, making records and touring at the same time, which is fine. This time, obviously, I didn't do that. I, I just, just recorded, you know, mm-hmm. actually, you know, wrote, wrote the recorder, the range and produced the way we call it. And it was, Kind of cool in a way because it was it was uh, you know I had a time to really let the music live with it you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah. because I'm the main church where I listen to it like a little bit later I go oh I should have done that but now I, I actually got to do everything that I probably would think of later I I still haven't found anything I want to change so a lot of cool things but yeah I really don't want it to happen again so yeah you don't want to have to go through a pandemic to make for to be the reason you have the time but it was you know the the, the playing on the album the songwriting on the album is is certainly first rate and, and um, a great listen do you get to introduce a lot of these songs into your live set uh, or, or you know with a career yeah, yeah. as long as yours is that hard to do you know what do you take out to put in you know eternal bliss for example or, oh my god it's that's extremely difficult but that 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 is that, that you have no idea I want to do this one. I want to do this one. I want to do this one. But you, know, you can't. Yeah. You know. So what I do do is on the tour, I, I change the set list constantly. And so what I do is I like like half an hour before the show or so, I just tell the guys coming in my room and say like, okay, let's do this. And they, they somebody writes it down and then runs out and have a train up on stage. Then it's all over the stage. So when I hit the stage, I I still play a different set list and that's on the floor. So. So, so I'm I'm completely. They have to be on the toes all the time, you know, my guys. So the, the the thing is that if I don't do that, I can't be inspired. If I would just play the same set and the right. same introduction and the same solos, and say, no, I wouldn't do this. They, they, everything is kind of blank slate. You have like a skeleton, and you have to right. make it into a, a full body, basically. You know, every night. So. Um, but yes, to, 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 uh, and also the order is difficult. And the sequencing on this album, by the way, that was one thing I really I spent a long time thinking about on that. There's, it's, it's really important sequencing because yeah, tempos. That's the one thing with this album. I like to tell everybody that has that is listening. Um, this is an album album. I don't know how old anybody is, but if you're old enough, you know that when you went out and bought an album and you brought it home and you put it on. And you sat there and listened to it, looked at the picture on the, on the sleeve, and then you turned it over and listened. That was an experience. Yeah. It was like an experience. It took the record. I was, you know, I'm, I'm an old guy. Yeah. 
you know, because there was really, it was, it was really an experience to do that. And every time he would listen to it, you'd hear something new, you know. Um, and it was like, he wouldn't want to just take one song out and put it in different places and so on. So this, this album is, if you, anybody has patience, 56 minutes or something like that, I would like them to listen from start to finish because it's all meant to be listened that way. Yeah, and, and you're right. And that, I think that's one of the things that's so wonderful, you know, your your product as well as many other artists going back to vinyl because it provides that experience where I'm not going to listen to, you know, God Particle and then jump to another artist on Spotify right away. You know, I put that on, you know, the same way I did when I bought Marching Out, and I can hear the melody of the next song coming in the blank space in between because you listen to it in order the way it was made so many times it, it, you know that's right a, it's a very important experience it was interesting i, you, I think that at, at, at least i at, at least me I, I i i always try to make records like that and i, and I always kind of like i kind of heard records that in that way when i listened to it it was like a movie you know you yeah. have to have a start in the middle of the finish you don't have you don't miss any part because then you miss the whole thing, you know. So it's it, that, that you know. Obviously, it's a different time, you know. I know, but that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is. It, I mean, that's one of the things I think that makes the album experience so neat. You know, you know that. You know, when smoke on the water ends, you're going to hear lazy, and, and your brain almost comes to expect it to follow. It's because that's the way you hear it, and, and uh, that's a. That's a wonderful thing, yeah. and it's great to hear artists put the thinking into that. Because I mean, you you have you know quite a few up tempo songs, but if you if you listen to up tempo songs, you know eight of them in a row, you sometimes your brain needs you know somewhere for it to go. A song that'll slow it down, a song that speeds it, up. It's it's all about it's all about tempos and mood and key. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's all about how how one would. That segue into the other, you know. Yeah. Uh, I try to do it on stage too, but it's not as easy because right. on the stage, more it, it's less, uh, you know. It's 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 kind of like a kind of an open book almost there. But, yeah. Uh, you know, sequencing is really important, I think. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned key because that's something that I, I've never heard anybody mention in talking about sequencing. Is, is oh no, it's very important. Yeah, that's that's tremendous. On stage, is it a little bit harder to to when you're when you're thinking of songs? You know, you want to do sometimes. I'm assuming adrenaline plays a big role in a song that you know maybe you're a little keyed up when you hit the stage. You know, you got a lively audience that that maybe slowing down on a number is a little bit harder to call out one. Um, or is that something you kind of have to keep in mind? You know, you need to slow down to give the crowd a little room to breathe. No, I I, I can't feel like like a natural thing almost because the way I've arranged some of the songs live, you know, like even the old ones like Black Star and and uh, I'm doing Knives Shoots of Burn sometimes mm-hmm. there's there's, um, there's I make it dynamic parts in there so I'm going to make the whole thing quiet down even though it's not meant to be like that you know? mm-hmm. and I and I do it's, it's, I, I like to play with dynamics too you know so that that's no, I, I definitely don't think it should be all up tempo and fast all the time. No. Sure. Do you guys? I mean, do you have like when when you go to hit the road? I mean, you're relatively kind of early on in this tour. Do you have like a finite number that the band has kind of worked on together, or do you have kind of a 
more of a Springsteen, I'll just call out anything, and y'all better be able to come along for the ride with me, kind of, kind of thing. That, I, that's, I didn't know he did that, but that's what I did. Yeah, I, I was talking to Nils Lofgren from, from the E Street Band, and he had said when Tom Morello had toured with them, they had done like 260 different songs in a tour. Like, how do you prepare for that? You know, just give me a key. I'll play one, four, five chords. Well, it's funny because that—that's basically that's basically that you know I I just I I don't do rehearsals. Mm-hmm. I don't do them. So I just tell them that you need to know this, and uh, we will know about. 20 to 30 minutes before the show, which order they're going to come. Yeah. And then, of course, like I tell you, told you earlier on, even though the set list is there, I might change it during the show as well. But the thing is that um, it's funny because I used to have a really, really legendary guy, Tommy Aldridge, playing yeah, drums with me. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, like 20 years ago. And uh, he he's great, you know. But but, but, but I, I, remember <laughs> I remember he said to me, really early on, even before the rehearsals, Yes, we were rehearsed back then. He says, can I have a set list? I said, well, we don't really have a set list. Well, how do I know what to play? Well, just know the songs. Which ones? Well, all of them. He's like, what? He's like, That's excellent. That's hilarious. I, I can never forget that. Ingrid, one of the things I've always wondered... I was kind of oh. joking, but I, was, I wasn't joking, but I was joking. So it was, it was definitely... Uh, he said, "I never done that. No one ever did that." And they, they, he said even that all the bands he was with would play the same songs, do the whole tour, and in the exact same way. And that's great, I guess. But I, I, I don't. That's can't, I can't do that because there's no excitement in that for me. For me. Yeah, and that that feeds to the audience. I think you look at so many bands, especially the bands with the big production, where there's video screens and you know. Everything has to be so sequenced to line up with the videos. You know, you're, you're almost like you're watching a well, movie. Well, there's also because a lot of them have the Pro Tools files running. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to go. You all... know that that's the truth. Yeah, it is. You've got the background vocals and the. The um, one thing I've always wondered when I've, I've seen you play, you're obviously known as is you know playing some great vintage instruments and and you're also a collector of watches but i'll notice that you wear your watch on your picking hand um does that the weight of that you know in some of those rolex type watches or maybe other collectible type watches it's so funny it's hilarious you saying that because the thing is when i started wearing a watch i was a kid i didn't understand why would you put your left hand it's stupid Mm -hmm. i need my right hand that was just me i'm a right hand i'm right hand but, but i didn't like it on my left hand so, so I just started doing that, and of course, we some Rolexes are extremely heavy, you know. Yeah. And it does make a difference. It's almost like it's almost like a counterweight, and it's it's kind of funny to say that because if I take no, I play with no watch, it feels weird. Yeah, it it I I know I it's used there, to. It's really funny. I, I used to sell Rolexes in a, in a part time job, and I you know some of those Oyster watches are extremely heavy, and it, you know, I would think that would mess up. The mechanics, but I mean, maybe you're used to the mechanics of having it there. Is it do much dam- uh, damage to the guitar, like of the finish? Is that no, no, that's not that's not damage. That, that, they, they get damaged in other ways. Yeah, yeah. Come around a little bit. Yeah, you're you're. So the um, have you when when you write um, you obviously Parabellum has been out for now. 
a couple months. Do you continue to, you know, as you're on the road, kind of do snippets into the computer just so you have things as the inspiration comes for, you know, whatever is to come next? Or, or do you kind of take a break from writing while you're traveling? Let, let's, 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 let's put it this way. I write songs every sound check. Okay. <laughs> so you, you've got it going. Every sound check. It's just, it's just, it's like a, it's a river. It just doesn't stop, you know. And it's, it's, it's. That's why, in, in, you know, in when it comes to music, uh, you know, composition, so to speak, there's a very specific way of doing it, and I, I know how to do that. But mm. the thing is that it's when things come from nowhere. That's where I get inspired, and that's those are things that I cherish, you know. Mm-hmm. So improvisation is a genesis of composition. And what a lot of people don't know, the internet anyway, is that the great composers, Bach, Vivaldi, Paganini, Beethoven, you know, Tchaikovsky, all of them, they were improvisers. They mm-hmm. improvised. Of course, a classical musician doesn't improvise because he has to write his written down on a page. Mm-hmm. But what they did in terms of piano concertos, the violin concertos, in the cadences, they would have, would you say, here's D minor, 16 bars. They, they, the soloist would do is improvised for them. But mm. once they actually wrote it down for like publishing, right. publishing the piece, they have to write something down. So, real composition comes from improvisation. When you improvise, you go places you haven't been before, and things happen through that. Um, and that that's what I do all day long, every day, every time I pick up the guitar. So, that's how they happen. So obviously, yeah, every time I'm in the sound check, or even, that's a man, I can be in front of TV, and I have a mm-hmm. little amp, and I, get, I, I usually, if my dog doesn't want to sit on me, I can play. <laughs> so, which is all the time, that's what he wants to do. But, um, um, that's what I love with music. Music is something that's like something, it's, it, it isn't here, and then it's here. Yeah. You know? And it, that's a wonderful feeling. I love it. Do you, do you, now that you've you've become you know the primary vocalist, do you sometimes start with a vocal melody? Do do those kind of things come to you first, or is it? Oh, of course, they 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 did back always. You know, you gotta remember something. When I grew up in Sweden, I I had bands from the point I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, it was like, when I was second grade, I would say to this kid, I would say, hey, I'm have, I have a gig on Friday. Oh, yeah? You got to play the drums. Well, I don't play drums. Well, I'll teach you. I don't have a kit. It's okay. I have a drum kit. I'll, I'll, I'll show you. I'll give you the drums to you. So, come Friday, we did a gig, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I've done since I started. Like, I've always been, even though I didn't pay anybody then, I would just say, this is the way it's going to be. Take or leave it. So, I, formed, I had a band called Power. Then powerhouse, then rising and rising force, mm-hmm. and I rising force was formed in 1978. It was me and on vocals and guitar, and a bass player and a drummer. And every bass player and every drummer that lived in Sweden were in the band at one point. <laughs> so this was, yes, this was. I've always done it this way. So when I came to America, I joined Steeler because I, I felt I had to, you know, get my foot in the door, basically. Sure. And then when, when the Alcatraz people called me, I said, first thing I said, yeah, let me write the songs. Okay. So every melody note 
that every vocal melody you hear Graham Bonnet sing, I wrote that. Okay. I, wrote, I wrote all the melodies. Okay? I didn't write the words. I wrote the melodies. Yeah, so melody is what's key for me all the time. And that's why I sing it, I play it, whatever. And that's what's always been like that. Um, to quote Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, he says, melody is music, music is melody. Yeah. So, I, I wouldn't just come up with an empty chord progression and say, hey, you sing something on this. That, yeah. That's not the way I go. Yeah, and there are a lot of guitarists that are like that. That could, you know, they can play the guitar parts, the riffs. Most of them. Yeah, well, but you know, it's not always that they, you know, you see. Usually, the I'll let the singer worry about what he's going to say and the melody that's going to come over top. You know, you listen to that, so that's really cool. Well, I, I want to thank yeah. you, Ingve. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. You're going to be in Pittsburgh on the 24th at the Carnegie of Homestead to do a show, and we oh, very. Yeah, very much looking forward to having you back in town and uh, wish you all the best. The new album, Parabellum, is available now. It's at your website. You've got cool vinyl editions, very cool CD package for people who want to go that route. So thank you again so much, and we'll see you in just a couple of weeks, man. Thank you much. It was great talking to you. All right, a big thank you to Ingve J.M. Almstein. Again, the new album, Parabellum, available now. You can check him out on the road. He is at the Carnegie Music Hall of Homestead on the 24th of November doing a show. Uh, gonna be a, a amazing you know night of guitar if you if you've ever played the guitar uh, you know love the shredding or not you've got to respect uh, the skill thing they approaches the instrument with and uh, the dedication and the passion and, and one of the things that you know uh, I really admire about Ingve is he has stayed true to what he does he's unapologetic um, does what he does does not pay attention to trends in music uh, and I think that that has paid dividends really for him in the long run. Um, you know, if he had chased trends in music, I don't think we'd still be talking about Ingve Malmsteen all these years uh, after his debut. So it'd be a fantastic show. Drusky Entertainment uh, is putting on that show. You can go to the, the, the uh, Carnegie Music Hall's website. We'll have a link on our website. You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. All the in, uh, social medias are forward slash ironcityrocks. Uh, you can drop us an email, ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Always love to hear from you. Uh, and if you're a, a fan of the guitar music, I invite you to stay tuned for the next episode. Won't give away the guest, uh, but we had a, a really a fantastic couple of days uh, talking to some of the most amazing guitarists in the world uh, back-to-back. Uh, so stay tuned for the next episode. I think you'll really enjoy it, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Until next time, stay safe. Stay safe.